And now, a special presentation. The T-Box presents the return of Craig Rosengarten. in your blog mm-hmm. how strokes gained T to green was way more or strokes gained keep going fairway you're, you're to doing green. great here's the thing they were hot Don't and I was still mad <laughs> as a guy you kind of go okay they're hot I'll, I'll leave them alone no I we got more to say that in the me too world now I could I just did in the world do women even want to be hot anymore you talk, he's a color analyst yeah, he's got plenty of time. Look, I, hell, I never prepare for this, and I'm the color guy in our little radio Well, that's show. evident. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I, if I could speak well, I, I, would, I would be okay. Mm-hmm. He speaks better than me. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, literally, it was, there was, it was nothing. I mean, they could have kept scoring if they wanted to. This is the same team that SMU beat. No, they beat SMU. No, no SMU S- beat them. SMU's 3 At home. They yeah. beat SMU? Okay, no. so it was close. I know it was no, close. No, SMU won. SMU won. Yeah, I know it was close. 17. Don't oh, derail him. That's the one I was there. Sorry. Don't derail him. And ball just carried. Yep. And I'm launched. Neither of us are on the green. No. So we'd go to Southern Death Playoff. Sudden. What did I say? Southern. Southern. We are in the South. <laughs> I should give that to you. <laughs> I just like it, Kern, how he goes, and we went to Southern Death as opposed to doing it in Michigan. <laughs> hey, morons. I told you I want to watch the hockey game. Now cut the golf sissy crap and finish up in there. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I really love our team right now with Kern doing engineering and Sam Hale doing tickers and Jay King just kicking my ass every single week. That's my favorite open so far. Morning, Jay. Good morning, sir. Thanks for that. Welcome back. <laughs> This is the Tee Box. It is Saturday morning at 8 a.m., and we're here, actually. It was a four-minute open, so it's now 8.04. Good morning, everybody. This is Craig Rosengarten from Avid Golfer Magazine and Ideal Golfer. And, yes, I'm no longer the color guy today. I am the play-by-play guy. So, <clears throat> he breaks a lot. Uh, crap already. There will be e-breaks. You are starting. Because this is, yeah, this is uh, not my normal gig. Rick Arnett is on vacation. He is down in Austin. He, you know, he's the only employee in the world that doesn't ask for vacation. He tells. He probably isn't the only one, but he does. Hmm. So he tells me when he's going off. He doesn't take very much time off, as most people know, either at in the office during the week or during the the tea box he loves the tea box but uh he's off this week and that means i am i move up i move to the left chair 
and then I need somebody in the right chair. And I will tell you who that is in a minute, because it might be a fun show. I think uh, he's been on briefly on, on the T-Box in the past, and I think he's got a lot of stuff to tell us, so it'll be fun. But I should tell you where we are, because it is Texas OU weekend. It is Texas A&M Alabama weekend. It is Georgia South Carolina weekend. It's a fun weekend for football. It's a big weekend. And there is one place you should go to watch football, and that is Union Bear. Very P1 friendly. Tanner, the uh, GM Tanner who looks like John Malkovich. I'm waiting for him to go, you want to draw, Mike? It was in rounders. He did the worst Russian accent, but you just anybody who watched Rounders and anybody who plays poker listens to that movie and just loves that accent, even though it's awful. I've and he looks like rounders. him. You've never seen Rounders? No. Oh, my God. All right. Mystery co-host. Greatest, greatest card movie ever? Rounders? No doubt about it. Yes. No doubt about it. Curry. Really? Yes. Oh, my God. Three stacks of high society. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. That's probably Give, why I was slow on the draw on that pay one. I've him. never seen it. Pay yeah. the man his money. Anyway, so we are at Union Bear. They will feed us later. And um, actually at 9.10, Tanner's going to come on and we're going to have a little beer talk. Because I'm not a beer drinker. If I drink beer, it's Coors Light. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn about what all these giant canisters are and what he's making and if there's one in there that can replace my uh, passion for Coors Light. Let's see if he can't uh, convert me to a, uh, what are those beers called? Um, microbrew? Microbrews, yes, thank you. So see if he can't convert me to a microbrew. I'm sure he'll he'll get you. So, yes, so if you're going to the game or uh, tailgating or doing whatever, give us a listen. We'll talk golf. Lots going on this week. And uh, we'll tell you about all that in a minute. I will welcome the the, uh, team again. Jay King is on the board. Morning, Jay. Good morning. Sam Hale, back where he should be doing tickers for us. Should be is an interesting word for that, but I'm glad to be here. You move up in the tee box. Everybody everybody who is on the regular midweek tickers started here. Sean Bass started here. Ty Walker started here. Corby. Uh, Corby started here. The only one is the midday ticker lady. Oh, Julie? Julie was never never worked for us, but everybody else did. So you're saying so, I have to kill uh, one of them to move up in the world? You don't have to kill them. Stab them in the back. But uh, they may move up. They may there move out. There can be out, only one. But <laughs> then next in line is the T-Box ticker guy. Or gal. So keep doing what you're doing. Have a good show. It is 8.08. We'll come back and I'll tell you who my mystery guest host is. Club Corp brings you this segment on the tee box. Craig Rosengarten here. Actually, I used my one membership. This week, I went to Atlanta and played Bears Best. Fun stuff. So go to clubcorp.com or go see one of your clubs and see a membership director. And one membership is awesome. We are out at Union Bear, which is an awesome place to watch football and eat and drink 
and we'll talk about drinking at 9.10. I'm a little hungover this morning, actually. Pure secret. Found out that Kern never saw Rounders, the greatest day poker movie ever. So I'm going to have to do a, a watching party for you for that movie. It's the world's right. greatest. I don't know. I love tell Maverick. Me, tell me you haven't seen Bad Santa, greatest Christmas movie? No, I've seen Bad Santa. Okay. Just making sure you're, you know, seen something. I don't know. I think Maverick's a great card movie. Your fate? Nothing like Rounders. Right Dude, seriously. <laughs> okay. Time to announce my guest host. No Rick Arnett this week. He's down in Austin. And we have had this man on once or twice before. He is somebody really important in the golf business. It's somebody that most of you don't know. And that man is none other than John Drago. Good morning, John. Good morning, Craig. Thank you for having me this week. So tell everybody your official title. Yeah, I'm the tournament director for the AT&T, Byron Nelson. You choked on the AT&T a little bit. Is that a, no, it was, is that uh, a Freudian slip or is that uh No, not at all. <laughs> Absolutely not. That was uh, 8, 10 in the morning at Union Bear, an yep. hour from my house. Yep. Yeah, thanks for driving yeah. all the way out there. So, yeah. um, so you have been the tournament director for a long time. 16 tournaments. 16 tournaments. You go by tournaments, not years, huh? Correct. Okay. 100%. 16. So you were you were here during the Tiger years? Absolutely. Yeah, 2004, Sergio's win was first win was my first year. Okay. And 2006 was your third year when Tiger missed the cut? That's correct. Playing Cottonwood Valley. Yeah. Last time he played the Byron Nelson, by the way. Yeah. How hard was that after you – I mean, you guys obviously called him afterwards, say, please play. No, not really. You know, we, we talked to him afterwards and you know it's one of those things a lot happened that year you know 2007 was a tough year with the golf course right um the redo is right afterwards we had changed our date pg uh the pj tour had taken our date to move the players championship to may so it was really a a confluence of events but it is unfortunate that that was the way he ended his run with us he's not bitter though right no not at all at least he's never expressed that to me yeah he hated it, though. The competitor that he was, he hated the fact that he missed, he missed the, cut. the cut, regardless of where it was. But, yeah. Yeah. That's so surprising he missed it on that golf course. I know. One of the easier ones to to play. So Agreed. Anyway, let me go down to the show. Um, so in a moment, I will go through what um, John does and, and a little bit about uh, strength of field. I kind of want to go through that because of the Houston tournament that this week. And at 8.30, we'll go through that leaderboard. And uh, we will touch base on the Champions Tour leaderboard because there's an interesting leader. And I kind of want to touch on that. At 8.50, um, we're going to do Nelson by the numbers. Okay. Kind of talk about what it, what it was like to move the, move the event, move the courses, what it was like to what – it, what it takes to get players, how they attract them, um, what your sponsor exemption process is. How many people you you have to be one of the most popular human beings to everybody who's not in the field to a certain segment yes yes um, so at 910 uh, somebody alert Jeremy because we're gonna bring Tanner on to talk beer I don't know if Tanner's ever been on the ticket have you ever been on the ticket before so this may be a first and um, so we'll see how that goes at 930 
we're going to talk a little President's Cup because I think Tiger's got a real decision who to pick. And I think even uh, the Europeans, or not the European, the, national, the international side's got some um, some decisions. And one of the guys uh, that that uh, Tiger could uh, contemplate is Kevin Na. And he was recently in the news after he won last week and kind of went out. Yesterday he came out and said, kind of, kind of said what was going on with his life. And, right. and uh, this doesn't happen in golf. Not since Tiger Gate, it right. doesn't happen. So we'll um, we'll go through that. So, but first, let's talk to John Drago. So you you run the tournament for the AT&T Byron Nelson. Who writes your paycheck? Yeah, so I work for the Salesmanship Club of Dallas, which is the the group that's out there in red pants. So they're the owners and operators of the AT&T Byron Nelson. They've had it since 1968. Um, what they do is they are a, a group of individuals in Dallas, a group of business leaders, um, actually celebrating their 100th anniversary this year. They started in 1920, um, and they get together every week and they raise money to help kids in Dallas. And they have that school, the Memento School, right? Correct. And uh, I'm toured that that school. It's uh, a very good cause. Yeah, very, very, good. very good cause. Yeah, for a heavy focus on social emotional health, uh, so kids can achieve their full potential and. And really, the way that I look at it is uh, we are the only tournament on tour. Every tournament is a 501c3 nonprofit that does great in their community. We're the only one that owns and operates the tournament and owns and operates the charity that benefits from it. So it's a little bit more of an emotional connection for us. Most tournaments raise a bunch of money and give it to a lot of great causes in the community. Which What's is Colonial do? Colonial is run by Colonial Country Club. So Michael Toth, my counterpart over there, is an employee of Colonial Country Club. Really? And they give their profits to Cook's Children Hospital, other charities around Fort Worth, probably close to 100 of them. Okay, so last week we had an LPGA event in town. Um, who's that owned by? That's owned by Octagon uh, Marketing Group, uh, runs that event. And what's interesting is, uh, so I live in Mansfield, mm-hmm. and Michael Toth, the tournament director at Colonial, lives in Mansfield. And Christy Nutt, who uh, works for Octagon for the LPGA event, lives in Mansfield. And... Stephen Nutt, her husband, is the operations director at Colonial. So we like to say that we can basically run professional golf from our little community. So how often do you talk to those guys about stuff? You know, we share sponsors, share, hey, I just, just sold a, a suite to Union Bear. You should call him. <laughs> I should call. Go talk to him right now. <laughs> we talk a lot. You know, we collaborate. All of us that run PGA Tour events collaborate with each other a lot. Michael and I, because we are so close, um, because his birthday yesterday, so by the close. way. It was his birthday yesterday, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we collaborate a lot. The, the folks in Phoenix, are we're very close to. The people at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Uh, we actually all will meet as a group. All tournaments will meet for our annual meeting uh, the week before Thanksgiving this year. And that's really kind of a, a conference like any other industry conference that you would go to where we share ideas and what's working, what's, what are best practices, and what can we take to our events. Okay, so... Is it a 24-7 job, 365 days a year? No, I like to tell people that I have the greatest job in the world because I work one week a year. That's what everybody seems <laughs> yeah, to think. Yeah, right? but you're no, still no, – no. but you're also a rules official, right? Correct, uh, which is volunteer. But, no, it's it's a full-time – Wait a minute. So that's, so you wa- you work PGA Championships. Yes, sir. What's the biggest event you've ever, you've ever worked? Uh, for me personally, well – 
the Ryder Cup at Hazeltine. So you were the one of the official rules guys at Hazeltine at the Ryder Cup. Yes. And you didn't get paid. Correct. They pay your expenses to get out there. Yes. And that was it. Yes, they did. And you played. You you've been an official rules official or a PGA championship. Yes. Masters, Olympics. You've been in the Masters. The Masters didn't pay you. No. Really? Yeah, the Masters Rules Committee is made up by a um, a group of USGA officials, Masters officials, PGA of America officials. They all send rules officials, and I think the PGA of America sends five officials. And in 2011, I was lucky enough to be one of those that the PGA of America sent. So you are a rules official for PGA of America. Correct. And you work kind of indirectly for the PGA Tour. Kind of indirectly. I and, run a PGA Tour event. Yes. And those guys don't get along. Not really. Yeah, I mean, they're clearly competitors in certain areas, but they get along better than you think. You know, really? they're, they're, you know, the PGA Tour is about providing financial opportunities for their members that are playing golf for a living. Mm-hmm. And the PGA of America is about providing access and, and opportunities for the PGA Club professionals, which is the reason how I got involved in it. I'm a member of the PGA of America. My career started as an assistant professional at Ridgely Country Club in, Dallas, in Fort Worth. That's really? How, yeah, that was the first job I ever had. Out of college. And so when did you decide you were going to be a tournament director? What what path led you there? Yeah, when I started that first job, I had no idea jobs like the one I have now even existed. Um, I wish I could return some lessons that I gave, some money for some lessons that I gave back then at 23, <laughs> too. But, but I got some great advice um, from one of my mentors, a guy named Joe Beck, who's a great pro down in Austin. When, uh, when I got the call to become an assistant professional, I talked to him about it, and he said the advice he gave me was find something in the industry that you really, really like and find your niche in it. Um, he was a great teacher, like Tim Cusick. He's out there all the time. He kind of focused his area on, on teaching. And I enjoyed teaching, but I didn't have a passion for it. Um, I wasn't a great player. I was an okay player. Um, all right, wait a minute. Okay, but you play in college? I did not play in college. Okay. I went to Texas and – Tried to walk on, and they told me they had everybody they needed. You need to go study. <laughs> uh, okay. But uh, so there was a, a gentleman that lived on the golf course that was a rules official for the USGA, and we started chatting, and golf administration just kind of got in my skin. And your first job in golf administration was? Was with the PGA of America uh, in, in uh, Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. I was the tournament manager for the senior PGA championship and the PGA Grand Slam of golf, if you remember that tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember PGA's grants on the golf. Yep. And then 16 years ago, they hired you here. Yeah, an, an interesting story. I was working, I was interviewing here. I just, we had just had our, our first. She was about two years old. I was getting a little tired of being on the road 200 days a year with the PGA of America. And I was working the PGA Championship at Oak Hill in 03. As a rules, as a free rules official. As a staff member of the PGA of America. Oh, okay. At that, at that point. Okay. And, um. And I had been talking with the salesmanship club people. I had an interview the following week, and I went to the Champions Clinic they used to do at the time on the range. And Byron was sitting on the practice on the practice range with his salesmanship club fedora hat that he wore all the time. And that's when I knew it was going to happen. I was going to come home. I mean, I grew up in Fort Worth, so this mm-hmm. was home for me. And the next week I came down and interviewed and started again in September, a month later. How about that? Yeah. Well, we're glad you're here. Thank you. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the Houston Open, which is this week. Yep. And their strength of field. They moved. They don't have a sponsor right now. Correct. Right? 
Did you ever did you ever run a tournament any year that didn't have a sponsor? No. You We've been very one. fortunate. We basically had three in our history. Uh, now, I will say the Sales Club sponsored it themselves until their first one. And then since then, we've only – it's assuming you – I'm using a little bit of fake math because we had GTE Verizon right. as one, one HP. EDS HP as one, and now, and AT now AT&T. AT&T for the rest of our lives. Any probably. any issues now that Randall Stevenson, who's the golfer and who's the CEO of AT&T, has said he's stepping down? Any worry? Uh, not really. You know, we've got – We've got a couple years left on our agreement. We've got a solid relationship. Um, you know, we, our day-to-day uh, folks that we deal with, Lori Lee, who is in charge of global marketing mm-hmm. sponsorship for her, is a, a huge supporter. She sits on our board. She's a, she really believes in what we do at Momentous Institute and the golf tournament. So um, we're providing value. I feel really, really confident. So when we look at strength of fields, you know what? Let's do this as we talk to the leaderboards because – I think this is kind of an important thing, and, and when you look at the Houston Open and you look at the leaderboard, you say, okay, who are all these guys? So we'll do that in a minute as we are at Union Bear talking golf with John Drago. Coming up next, let's talk Houston Open. Classic BMW just down the road sponsors leaderboards for us every week. T-Box is out at Union Bear. We will be talking beer at 910. You a beer drinker, John? Yes, sir. All right, so uh, step on up. I am not. I'm a Coors Light drinker, but I may try something today. Um, at 850, we're going to do some Nelson by the number stuff. I want to know what it takes to, to get a sponsor's exemption and how many people lobby for it. And we're going to talk about that at 850. But first, we have a leaderboard. It's the Houston Open. There's no sponsor. Right. They're in, they're in uh, the fall season. So I'm going to hit you with some knowledge. Okay. The official world, they rank the world rankings of every event. Right. Strength of field from the Strength world Strength of ranking. field. Do you know what the Nelson was this year? Uh, 200s maybe? It was 215. Okay. So not bad, right? Not bad. He had Brooks Kepka. He had a Deki became world number one the next week when he That's won right. the PGA. He had a Deki Matsuyama, had uh, Jordan, had uh, Paul Casey. Henrik Stenson was in it, too. Stenson. So yeah. he, had a, he had a decent field. Wasn't PGA Championship level, which right. is usually about 800 right. on a strength of field. They were the highest if you go, by the way. Are they? Yep. Care to, care to guess what the strength of field for the Houston Open is? I've got to believe it's around 100, maybe slightly above. So the Italian, I have not looked. So the Italian Open this week has strength of field at 248. The um, Shriners last week, or two weeks ago, had a, last week, Kevin not one, had a strength of field of 398. Yep. Pretty strong. Yeah, had four top ten players in the world. So you probably look at this more than most. Yep. The Houston Open strength of field... Was, is 73. There hasn't been one. Rick and I have been looking at this lately because we're intrigued by it, and, and obviously you do too. There hasn't been one under 100, maybe even 160, 170. There was one early on that was about 160, 170 uh, this year, but that's it. And so 
It's weak. Yeah, it's, it's tough for, for them, too. And, and, you know, it's I think strength of field and that ranking specifically, specifically that you're looking at can be a little bit misleading for the marketplace. And I hate it for Houston because I know that's what, what everybody's talking about. It's odd. You know, you can say it's just because they're in the fall, but we just mentioned the two tournaments before them were both over 300s, both had four of the top 10 players in the world, but they're kind of sandwiched right there between the fall and all the guys going to Asia for the next three weeks for, right. the, for the Asian swing because um, I know that a lot of the top players are playing there. Um, but when you think about a the, lo- the local nature of a tournament, you know, for instance, the year we put Jordan in at 16 years old in 2010, he did nothing for our strength of field we on did. that number, but he was huge for us. Right. You know, um, he was one of the, the biggest draws we had. Is one of the best things that we did. Um, so pretty good for him too really good worked it worked out great yeah um, for everybody so you know it's, it's a it's tough but you know that number's pretty telling yeah put it in perspective last week the mutuactivos open de espana had a strength of field of 84 yeah maybe the only time i've seen that the european event was had a higher strength of field than the pga tour event yeah, that's extremely rare. So, Completely agree. But we do have a leaderboard. We do have a leaderboard. And they're, um, the leader right now, Peter Malnati, is on Baby Watch. Oh, is that right? His wife's due next week, and he's on alert. So be a pretty good little present for him. Yeah, he's won once on tour. Um, did Sanderson you, Farms. Did you see him in the try to hit out of the water yesterday? I did not. It's, it's kind of funny. Uh, he left it in there in a footprint. So... Uh, in spite of that, he's still at 10 under, leading by two. Sepp Strack is at eight under. Taylor Gooch, a Oklahoma State boy, he's at eight under as well. Carlos Ortiz, Mark Hubbard, or, uh, Lanto Griffin. So Lanto Griffin and Rob Shelton were Rick and I do picks for DraftKings every week. Right. Oh, do we? We still there? Yeah, we are. Oh, okay. Just changing the music. Ah, gotcha. Um, again, it's not my normal thing. I'm I understand. It's certainly not mine. I just want to get through without getting my own e-break this week. What's that? That music came in hot, too. So okay. That's understandable. Yes. Um, so Rick and I do picks for DraftKings every week on a video. You can see it on our YouTube page and have a golfer. Our Stone Cold Locks this week were Lanto Griffin wow. and Rob Shelton. So Lanto Griffin's 7-under still on the golf course. He was a kind of big. Rob Shelton, let me go all the way down to the bottom. Who hasn't missed a cut since he's gotten on tour? He is uh, seven over with five holes to play. So um, he, he probably caught the bad weather angle and couldn't couldn't anticipate that. Or yesterday he doubled the first two holes, of the, or Thursday he doubled his first two holes, which could do it too. That'll so. do it for sure. <laughs> Let's see. The number one player in this event was, by the way, Russ Henley. Is one under. He looks like he'll make the cut after shooting 66-77. Wow. And I bring him up because he is the all-time money winner at the Houston Open. Is that right? Would you have ever guessed I that? I never would have guessed that. Yes. Uh, he, but he is. Cole Hammer, who's the amateur, is one under with uh, four holes left. He needs to keep it there. Absolutely. I guarantee you he's got a big crowd with him today, being local there. Yeah, he's from Houston. He's a good player. A sophomore at Texas? Texas, yeah. So, following along the lines of a Scotty Scheffler and a Jordan. Scotty Scheffler, by the way, one under. Looks like he'll make the cut. 
Um, he was announced the player of the year for Corn Ferry. That's right. He had a great year. So I call I call Mark Harrison over at the North Texas PGA or email him and say, Hey, you want to do an ad congratulating one of your own? He goes, Nah, he's gonna win. I'll I'll put an ad in then. Yeah. He is definitely going to win. I actually, we gave him a sponsor's exemption to the Byron Nelson last year, and uh, I felt like he had a chance to win there. He was on such a roll at that time. How'd he do? You remember? He did good. He, uh, I can't remember exactly how he finished, but he played well. Good. Any uh, any local guy that you're looking at right now like that, young gun, that's got to give one to him? No, not really. That We've, we've got heavy, heavy on the radar yet, exactly. Okay. Missing the cut. Uh, Peter Johan missed a cut. I picked him this week. I thought he'd do well. He's on conditional status and, ha- and has playing week to week, and he's been making it week yeah. to week. I'd... And that's what's interesting about tournaments like these. These are the guys that, that need to right now. You know, when you look at some of those names like Omar Uresti, so wait right a on the cut line. Omar Uresti, isn't he a PGA professional now? He is. He's a PGA Club Pro champion. But that's right. I don't know how he got in if he's... Got in through some other status or if he uh, Monday qualified or what, but I just saw his name as we're flipping down. By the way, Henrik Stenson, I was going to – guy's missing the cut. He's the top guy in this. He's ranked 34th. He's the top guy. Yesterday they were still on the course, and he had just doubled a hole and was one over, and I thought he was going to miss the cut. He's got two holes left, and he is inside the cut line right now. So um, he's got a four-footer to make par on 17. If he makes that in par of 18, he'll make the cut. So you look at, as a as a um, tournament director, you kind of look at that, right? You kind of want him there for the weekends. He's your biggest draw. Absolutely. So, uh, so um, yes. That's right. Uh, anybody else? I'm not really anybody yeah. that. I really got Lu- Lucas Beergard tied for 42nd. Doc yeah. Redman. Doc Redman, he, he's, a, he's a player. Got on through uh, Corn Ferry. Keegan Bradley, I haven't seen him all year, and he's a good player. He's playing. He's probably playing next next week in uh, Asia. Yeah. Uh, he missed a cut. Yeah, but see, I look at it like I look at guys like Harris English and DJ Trahan. Harris English has been hot. And Brendan all week. Todd oh. and people that kind of that need it right now to kind of get was, back to where they were. Was there a reason you just mentioned all Bulldogs there, Georgia Bulldogs? Did that, I really? Was no. That a shot at there me? is absolutely no reason why I did okay. that. Okay. I got that. All right, can we talk Champions Tour for a minute? Yes. So I find this story fascinating. Doug Barron. For those who don't know who Doug Barron is, Doug Barron was the first guy who tested poorly when they were doing drug testing. Got banned for a year. I don't. Rem- I don't even remember what it was, but it it was hokey. But he got banned. It was like beta blockers or something. That, something. Some kind of heart medicine. And he, they got banned for a year. He sued the tour. He apparently won. But don't know if he, what he made any money. But I, ne- I haven't seen him. Right. Turns 50 four months ago. He was playing the Emerald Coast Tour. I don't even know. That is. I don't even know what that is. Many tours in Florida, I think. He's playing the Emerald Playing for each other's money is what they're doing when they're playing those. That's right. Yep. So hadn't played a PGA or Corn Ferry event in seven years. He hasn't played a top-level professional event in seven years. Turns 50. He qualifies for the Senior British. 
finishes fifth. He Monday qualifies last week for the Dicks Open, and he wins. Unbelievable. And this week, he is leading, let me tell you what it's called, the... And 600 par. SAS Championship. And he is leading. <laughs> yeah. Just love He's that story, Woody Austin, right? Jerry Kelly, VJ Singh. And he hadn't played in seven years. That's amazing. And he won last week. He won last week. Yeah. I, I wonder the changes to his bank account. And I also wonder who's calling him right now. Right. Like, I don't know where the Champions Tour is on the radar of sponsors. But Callaway calling him. Ping calling him. Whatever... What, I don't even know. I, can I don't know anything up. about who he plays or what he's doing, but I guarantee you there are people that are calling him. There's no doubt. And the only thing I remember about Doug Barron, I remember that he got banned for a year. I remember he sued the 21. And I remember he was trying to qualify for the um, – trying to go, he went back to Q School when it was still – you won, you got into the um, uh, PGA Tour. Top 25 got to the PGA and Tour, yeah. he – I believe that Corey Pavin caddied for him on the... This is after the suspension. Yeah, on the, on the Q school. I believe that's true. It's one more thing you remember that I don't. Yeah, but um, his biggest thrill in golf on his profile page was being paired with Fred Couples and Craig Stadler in the final round of his first event. You think that's changed? That's probably changed. <laughs> yeah. Winning back-to-back could so, change it, too. Yeah. Never won on tour. So, um, it's. I, I mean, I'm looking at his profile. 2014 season did not compete. 2013 season did not compete. 2012 season did not compete. It's like, this guy came out of nowhere. Yeah. I'm so happy for him. I don't know him, but I'm happy for him. That's one of the great things about the PGA Tour champions. I mean, you hear those stories all the time about people resurrecting careers or starting careers or... At 50. At 50. Right? Yeah. I'd like to do that. Yeah. I can't. It's good money that. out there if yeah. you can do it. <laughs> All right. It is 848 on the on the ticket. You got the tee box out at Union Bear. Having a good time. Waiting for football to start this afternoon. Hook I bet this place will. Uh, you're, that's right. Yes, sir. Feel good about the game? I feel good. Yeah. We may talk about that in the mix. All right. Coming up next, though, we're going to pepper Mr. Drago with some questions about what it's like to run a PGA Tour event. We'll do that next. Arcus Golf brings you this segment, the uh, our rankings, our annual Best of Public Golf rankings are next month, and we're actually going to do them Monday, Rick and I and Eli. And Eli went off to Cowboys yesterday. They looked pretty darn good. Not saying anything, but... We'll see. So I played it recently, good. too. It was pretty good. You used an ideal golfer to go I out sure and play, did. didn't you? Sure did. Well, that's an unpaid-for plug right there, huh? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> okay, we're talking to John Drago, who's the tournament director for the Byron, AT&T Byron Nelson out at Union Bear today. And I'm fascinated by a lot of parts of your job, like what you're doing now. Right. So right now, you know, our business, as I joked about working one week a year, but it's truly a year-round job. Actually, about 20 people work on the Byron Nelson 20 week or 52 weeks a year. Um, so you have a staff of 20. Correct. Now we all, all year. All year. We do have some other responsibilities as it relates to the salesmanship club itself and 
the Momentous Institute, but by and large, our role is, is Byron Nelson fo- AT&T Byron Nelson focused year round. Um, and as you might imagine, you know, most people see tournament week, but our operations director actually moves out to Trinity Forest to begin building the site to create the tournament atmosphere on, last year it was February 19th. He finished taking the last stake out of the ground or whatever you want to call it. He finished the, tearing it down on July 1st. Wow. Okay, so before we get into the field and how you, how you do your recruiting and everything else, let's talk about the course. So the PGA Tour comes to you and says, okay, this is the course. This is how it played. Do they dictate changes that you need to make on the golf course? Not really, um, but that is an interesting point. You know, our, my job as we talk about running the tournament, we have nothing to do with the competition itself. So I always tell people the PGA Tour runs from the rope lines in, we run from the rope lines out. Um, so whole locations, teeing areas, height of the grass, all that sort of who gets in the field other than our exemptions, all that's run by the PGA Tour. What I um, they do make some suggestions, you know, they may play like they play number 11 as a par four instead of playing as a par five. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may work with Trinity Forest Superintendent Casey Koff about different ways they want things mowed or may want us to move signs or concession stands or rope lines around. Uh, but what is interesting is I get a book at the end of the tournament that shows where every single shot landed and what they scored from there. Really? Yeah, it's it's fascinating. So you kind of see how the course played and the way, you know, we use it from almost a strictly operational standpoint. You know, a lot of balls are going here. Maybe we shouldn't be putting a concession stand right here. Or, hey, a lot of players are trying to get up and down left of that, you know, drivable par, par four, number five. Let's get a stand there so that people can watch and see golf from there. Let's put a shaded stand there because they're going to be there for a while. So we use it for that, that, sort, of, that sort of thing. Okay, so... Any when they come back and they say, okay, this is how it's gone. Doesn't, and I know you probably you're outside the ropes, but yeah, there is. You probably are involved in the conversations where the tour says, hey, Trinity Forest, you need, we want you to do this, this, or this to the course for next year. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. There's uh, and who pays for that, by the way? Who pays for those those improvements? Yeah, it depends on what it is, but typically the type of improvements that they would make would be mowing heights where they cut the native, where they put in, um, you know, a, a preliminary cut, what mm-hmm. what they want the greens rolling at, those sort of things. So it's not typically major infrastructure type changes that the PGA Tour is looking for. Gotcha. All right. So been two years down at Trinity Forest. Yep. And had a rough, had a rough date last year, this year. Right. So probably what affected your strength of field the most i mean you're you're playing the week before a major which is um up in new york which is right. tree lined and giant elevation changes and the week before you were playing a lynx course right it probably wasn't the best fit sure worked for brooks yeah it did yeah finished fourth at the byron nelson won the pj championship become sure number did. one in the world so that's when do you start recruiting players? When do you start saying, hey, and, and how much recruiting do you do? Yeah, I, I talk to a lot of players, and I talk to a lot of agents. I I don't I don't like the word recruiting because the amount of money that these players make now and the, you know, the rigorousness of their schedule now, I'm not going to, 
it would be a it would be very strange for me to think that I can talk somebody into playing the tournament or to recruit them to playing our tournament. Fair enough. I try to educate them, give them any information they have, encourage them, let them know how much we'd love for them to be there, uh, make it as easy as possible for them to make that decision. There's there's a rule on the PJ Tour that all players have to play one event that they haven't played in the last four years. Right. And so I make sure that those players that no, can satisfy played. that by ours, <laughs> that they know that. Exactly. Um, so it's it's things like that. We, we try to be visible um, and, you know, as, as accessible as we can. So where do you go? I, I mean, do you go to Phoenix and recruit? Because that's probably, what, two months before? Yeah, typically we'll go to, we'll go to Phoenix. Uh, one of the big things we're doing this year is celebrating Byron, the 75th anniversary of Byron Nelson's 1945 um, season when he won 18 times, and that happens to have started in Phoenix. Um, in January, so we're going to go kind of hit both of those this year. Um, I typically go there. We almost always go to Pebble Beach because we can have meetings with AT&T while we're there, um, and there's a good spot to recruit that. We pick places Honda I usually go to, um, San Diego Farmers Insurance we go to a lot, and I pick places where it's it's easy to get in front of players. You know, if there's a nice walk from player family dining to the range to the first hole, and I can kind of get them in between. I don't like to bug players when they're practicing. Mm-hmm. I don't like to bug players when they're eating or talking with their agents or working. Mm-hmm. So I try to catch them, you know, walking from the locker room to somewhere else. So I, I pick, you know, if and if, of course, I'll call an audible if there's a, a specific player that I want to talk to that happens to be playing that week. A lot of times I'll just go see if I can find them. And most of them know who you are? Uh, yeah, I think so. Do you wear red pants? I do not wear red pants. No, that is not. I work for the Red Pants. I am not but a Red Pants. you're not pants. a Red Pants. Correct. You're not a Red Pants guy. Okay. That's correct. So, because I, I know that um, some of the guys from the Salesman's Cup will go to Phoenix and do, do some recruiting, and they right. always wear the Red Pants, so they know who you are. Some of these guys don't know who you are, so you're really, right. that's, uh, that's some serious sales salesmanship right there. Yeah. Just jumping up to a guy and saying, hey, I'm from the Nelson. You want to? That's right. Let me and tell you about uh, why you should play. Yeah, and, and that's part of the relationship building, you know, that I have to do, that we've had to do for the last 16 years. You know, you focus on, there's a lot of names on that list of people who just got their card this year that I don't have a relationship with at all. Or there's some that haven't played, you know, Ricky Fowler hasn't played us for the past couple of years. I haven't been in front of him a lot, you know, mm-hmm. so I need to make sure that he, if he sees me, he knows who I am and he can, he can ask me questions. Does he know me. who you are? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, let's talk about the sponsor's exemptions. You gave one to Tony Romo last year. Did. Worked it out. Yeah, it worked out great. Worked out really well. Is he getting uh, one this year? Haven't gotten that far yet. He hasn't asked for one yet. We haven't really discussed it yet. We haven't given out any yet at this point. Um, this is kind of the first of the year is when that, those discussions really start kicking off. What I do this time of year is I look at the people who have fallen below the top 125, who are automatic qualifiers. And I look at where our field typically finish, like the last man in for the mm-hmm. past couple of years. And I look at who's underneath that. just underneath that and who might be asking. Um, so do you ever give a sponsor's exemption, exemption to somebody who doesn't ask or do they need to ask? Uh, no, typically they will ask. But, yeah, we've reached out to players before and asked them if they'd they would like to play. One of the interesting things for us with our new date as it relates to exemptions that kind of caught me a little bit off guard last year is being the week before the PGA now, mm-hmm. and especially this coming year when we're 
basically opposite nothing on the European tour. It's like golf sixes or something like right. that that we're up against. We had a much more interest from international players. Yes, you had a bunch of we them, too. We had a bunch of really high-level international players, and a, and a few of them had no access to the PGA Tour. You know, Lucas Beergard, who had had that great event right. down in Austin, wanted to play. We certainly wanted him in the field, but we it was a good thing we still had exemptions left. Um, Justin Harding, a top 50 player in the world from South Africa, same thing. Rafa Cabrera Bayo, Thomas Peter. So we got to watch that a little bit more carefully this year if there are players that are wanting to get over here. It's a long way from Europe to San Francisco. So, you know, coming a week early, playing our event, getting the United States, we may get a little bit more of that this year. Where's the PGA Championship next year? In 22 or this coming year? This coming year. Yeah, it's at Harding Park in San Francisco, TPC Harding okay. Park. So it's kind of on the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you it's know, I felt like the people from Europe, they were coming all the way to Dallas, and then they had to go all the way back to New York. Right. So I guess it's kind of on the way, so it's not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. Um, you guys have you guys were one of the first. When you offered Jordan that sponsor's exemption. Right. That was pure genius, and it worked itself out. It worked itself out, and and him his play helped work it out, too. He well, yeah, great that and, he, week. and he's very dynamic. Yep. He's a dynamic guy. He's a very extroverted guy. I mean, it's not... You know, if you would have done it to Patrick, Patrick, given it to Patrick Cantley, who's a great player, yep. he's the most introverted, you know, right, sour-looking human, even though he's not a sour person. Right. I, it, it worked out for it him. Wor- it worked and out you, fabulous. And you did it moving on. I mean, in the next few years, you did the same thing, right? You gave one to Will Zaltoris. Will Zaltoris, Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler also finished in the top 20 the year that he was playing so in high school. So it's worked itself out as you have Absolutely. done that. Any Is is that going to be a recurring thing, or is that kind of wait and see? Or There are certain things that you need to do on sponsors' exemptions. There are certain categories in the exemptions, right? Correct. That's right, yeah. Uh, we're always looking for who those players are. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's Will or whether it's Scotty or Austin Connolly one year. Um, so if it we're always looking to have that player. And then if it works out that that's that spots there, then we're going to go ahead and pull the trigger. Um, Every, we, we do our exemptions. We only have four that can go to a player like that. So it has no um, status on the PGA Tour at all. So, OK. And we could give one to you if we wanted. Really? Yeah. You wouldn't want to. No, I can't putt. <laughs> So, uh, in terms of when you're giving those exemptions, does the PGA Tour ever make you, ever influence you on who to take? They ever say, you know what, John Daly wants to play, and you'll get people, and peop- and if he makes the cut, the TV will watch. We need you to take John Daly. Never once, never have once, I received a, a call like that. Now I have had other players ask about, hey, are you considering so and so? Um, good friend of mine would be great. Um, okay, last week. Yeah. Brooks Kepka played. Yeah. And Chase Kepka played. Yes, he did. In your you you know nothing about that event, right? Let's, I know let's nothing assume, about that event. Would Would you be surprised if Brooks Kepka said, "Hey, you want me to play next week? Get my give my brother a sponsor's exemption. I may show up." I would be surprised just knowing Brooks. Really? Yeah. Um, Chase, a good player. We gave Chase an exemption a couple of years ago. Did you? Um, yeah. And Bro- Brooks was already in the field. We didn't ever hear from him about it. Um, he never said a word. Never said a word. Um, represented by different agents. Um, I think he plays with them in the New Orleans team event. He so does. I think he's. 
I think he likes it, but he I don't I've never heard of him lobbying for it. He certainly hasn't with us. Okay. Yeah. So Jordan is still kind of he's a member of Trinity Forest. Yep. He's a sponsored by AT and T. Yep. Um, is he a guarantee to be in that field? I mean, he have, does he already is he help you recruit? I know Harrison Frazier does, but he's. Yeah, I mean Jordan. You know, Jordan's none of got his a lot friends. Of, none of his friends played last year. Jordan's got a lot of friends. Well, yes, he does. I know what you're saying. Though. Yes. Uh, you know, it's difficult because they're they uh, you know they're making decisions for certain reasons. Um, Jordan is a great friend of the Salesmanship Club and of the golf tournament, and clearly a great ambassador. He's for a good AT&T. kid. He's just a great person. Yeah, he's not a kid yeah. anymore, is he? Um, so, yeah, I mean, he hasn't committed to play yet, but I certainly expect him to play. You laugh, Kern, but he's still my son's age, <laughs> and I still think of him as a kid. He's a big kid, but right. I still think of him as a kid, and he's not. He has millions more money than I do. Right. And he's sadly way more successful than I he's am. He's got three more majors than you do. Yes, he does. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I still think of him as a kid, but he's clearly not. But, yeah. But now he's he's done nothing but support us. Uh, you know, it's a it's a fine line because so many of the sales club and us and, and everybody grew up watching him play and knows him. And, you know, the last thing we want to do is be any sort of, you know, when he comes to the Byron Nelson, we want him to focus on playing well and winning. You know, we want him as one right. as our champion someday. Sure. So we try not to ask for a whole lot of. You know, distra- things that could distract him throughout mm-hmm. that week. We try to be very sensitive, but we're very clear with him. Also, we we want him there. Yes. Yeah. And I'd, likely he'll be there. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Well, that's good stuff. Yeah. Um, anybody anybody so far said, you know what? I'll make it this year. I missed the course. I haven't played. Or hey, that's one that I haven't played in, in four years, so I'll make sure I make it. Any anything like that happened yet? Yeah, nothing really new to break. Nobody's yet. setting their schedule yet, are no, they? No, exactly. They they send they tend to set them in these pockets. You know, this is what I'm doing in the fall. This is what I'm doing January to Augusta. This is what I'm doing after you know from Augusta to PGA PGA Championship or that sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. By the way. Um, you don't have to say, but strangest request you've ever gotten from a player. Ooh. Strangest? We don't get that many crazy ones. You mean like for, can you get me something? Something. Type I'm, deal? I, I need, you know, lukewarm yeah. bottled water from no, Tanzania. Not really. We get, yeah, we do get bottled water requests for the hotel room, you know, baby cribs, tickets to games, tickets to concerts. Uh, but I really haven't had a whole lot of crazy ones. No one's ever asked me to come on the T-Box show. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever will. Uh, no, I can't really think of one. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, that segment is brought to you by, I'll tell you in a minute, North Texas Mercedes Dealers, which uh, one of them's around the corner. And coming up next, uh this might be new for me because I'm not a big beer drinker, but we are at Union Bear, and they are a microbrewery, and there's already four beers sitting in front of us in all different colors. There's 12, by the way. Well, there's there's I think there's one for each of us. Oh. So um, none of them are dark, so I'm very happy about that. But uh, we're going to talk, we're going to have beer talk. It'll be outside my element, but I'm willing to give it a shot. We'll do like that it. next.
Oh dear. I cannot find them. Are they gone? They were just on the line. Maybe those beers were hitting a little better than we thought. I guess so. Well, we can just listen to some Kenny Loggins, I guess. I mean, I'm not going to complain with that, but hopefully they'll come back. I, I, it would Let's be... see if they'll come back. Hey, Country Force. Oh, I don't think we can hear them either. Jay, can you bring up the uh, other room for us, please? There check, we go. Check, check, so ah. how about that AT&T bar in Nelson, Ty? Hey, it's great. It is. It's golf. It's T box. <laughs> oh, hey, Craig. Sound, Ty sound and Eli little, sitting sound in a little different. Rick do, and Craig today. Do your best Craig Rosengarten no. impression right now. I only do those off the air. Maybe we can bring in Matt Birmingham as well. Oh, <laughs> oh well, Craig. His, his mic's not on either. I don't think. You finally do the pre-show we've been threatening to release online for years. Hey, guys, I'm back. Oh, there he is. How's it going? Hi, Craig. Seemed to be a... How's how's the show going today? It's going pretty good. Thanks for asking. (laughs) So mean. Did you guys see the golf? Yes, we saw all of the golf, Did you guys see the golf? Uh, I did not. It's happening all around us. I'm... It always is. It is. The anus is upon you to keep up with the golf. The anus. The anus. Anus. So how about that Union Bear Brewing, huh? Uh, here it's great. Yes, it is. Corby Best- and Mike were out there yesterday, and uh, Corby did a uh, what, Irish, Irish car, car bomb. bomb. Yeah. And my cousin was there, and Your he did cousin. the other guy, our Irish car bomb. There's nothing wrong with a good Irish car bomb every now and again. I had a couple of those in my life. Yeah. Yeah, they'll they'll get you where you need to go. Oh, quickly. Boldly. Boldly. It was funny hearing your cousin in the background during the concert calendar just chatting it up. (laughs) Yeah, I think the Irish car bomb had hit by that point. They they tend to do that. They tend (laughs) to do that. It exploded quickly. Yes. Yeah, short fuse on the Irish Uh. car bomb. So, so uh, what, are we, what are we thinking about are that we, uh, are we Texas the, game? Are we icing the puck here? Are we just kind of going to skate so, just skating yeah. around? Yeah, for... Jay's struggling in there, so let's nah, just hey. uh, penalty kill. Hey, you know yeah. what? Sometimes well, wrong with that. things that's, like that happen. That's Samuel Hale on those ticket tickers, by the way. This is the. Uh, I'm sure Craig didn't introduce the crew today. This is Country Force pregame show. Pre- yeah, I don't care about that. No we much. do not need a pregame show. That's the we last don't. thing we need. To kind of set up what we will talk about from 10 to noon? Mm, yeah, I guess we could do that. And what are we going to talk about? Uh, we're going to talk about Billy Joel. That's that, yeah. You said you might leave because no, no. I just said I would show up late. Oh, you'd show up. Well, that's it's to the concert of the show. To to our show today, yes. To miss that, yes. Yeah, I'm with you. On he that. said uh, I want to talk about Billy Joel during the first segment. And I said, okay, cool. I'll see you about ten twenty nine. Millennials. A millennial. Just because you're eighty I, doesn't mean all of us are. Well, that's what I told. Yeah, that's what I told Ham last night. I said. Because I'm the oldest, I can say anybody younger than me is a millennial. Actually, were you, you, you born, Eli? Uh, eighty-one. Oh, you're just you're one year off from being a millennial. Eighty-two is the cutoff period. Oh, is it? Are yeah. You Generation Good. Z or what? something? Nah, who knows? What does it matter? It doesn't matter. We're all just. I'm just. I'm part we're of the all greatest just generation. For this ride. You are not part of the <laughs> greatest generation. In fact, if you were of that generation, it would no longer that be would, called the greatest oh, generation. Oh man. The okay generation. How good at war would you be, Ty? <laughs> Ooh, he'd be the best. He's a trench warfare man. Yeah, what? I don't know how good at war I would be. How good at war would you be? Uh, how proficient? I just, I feel like you're just 
got your war face on all the time. <laughs> Give us your war face, Ty. It doesn't play well for radio. Well, I... <laughs> See... Oh, no. You're making now you just sound like Frankenstein. I think you're I think you're I making made, light of arm conflict. I think I just made mud in my pants. Oh, well, that's that. unfortunate. Who'd be the best at war at the ticket? Let's expand this a little oh, bit. Okay, best at war at the ticket. I'm going to say Dan McDowell. I think Dan would be the oh, best. No, what aspect? He seems like a He's, bayonet guy. He seems like he'd stick you with one. Uh, well, then... Now, see, I see Dan. Dan tries to play himself off as a pacifist. Yeah, that's not true. That just you means he's hit? got underlying issues uh, where he'll just stab everybody. Ooh, okay. Bayonet guy. What about Junior? Ooh. Junior's he... trying to find a bike and just just ride as far away from conflict <laughs> yeah. as possible. Um, I think Bob. He's got a lot of. Rep- I think he's got a lot of, a lot of repressed yeah, emotions, and, and he's kind of a big dude. Yeah, he'd be more tall. of a like hand to hand combat type of guy. And again, I'm gonna shoot you. And, and don't uh, let that religious aspect the... fool you. And he, if and he'll, if he'll you know, kill somebody on you. Well, and if he ran out of ammo, he'd just lull the. He he just, just ask a long yeah, question. Yeah, right. Just a long winded question that would just send his enemy just and straight again, to hold sleep. On, hold on, just a second. I've got to tell us about this uh, FC Dallas. Uh, I wonder, uh, give him the big exactly. old bullhorn. Just welcome, let him Bob. talk to the battlefield. Exactly. Uh, there you go. Oh hey, hey guys, I'm back. All right, box. What's up, guys? Hey, We're all back. right, y'all are back. Very we good. Took a food break. Goodness Not gracious, really, uh, those beers right must have hit pretty hard. <laughs> What's that? So those that beers Eli? must have hit pretty hard. Yes, yes, we've been on the air for about ten minutes now. No. Yes, we've just been icing the puck, waiting for you guys to come back. Icing the puck. Yeah, just skating around, you know, just kind of throwing it back deep forth each other, and we discussed who would be the best at war at the ticket. At war? War, yes. Like in, I mean, not like the card game, but just like in general. <laughs> armed like, conflict. Yeah, armed conflict. If if, it, if, it, if we go back to WW2, who would be the, the man for the job? How'd I rank? We didn't get to you. Although Dang Matt it. Birmingham did an outstanding Craig Rosengarten impression. I got to go now. Sorry, guys. <laughs> okay, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Turn his mic off. Oh. Oh, well. No, I'm just kidding. And you're pulling rank on him. See? Hey, Eli. Yes, sir. Meet John Drago. Well, it's not quite time for the mix yet. You'll oh, still have okay. like half an hour right, left. Then, then get off the air. Okay. All right. Good. There it goes. Back to the tee box. Hey, guys. All right. We're back. Thank you, Kern, for getting us back on air. Sorry about that. And John Drago here is with me on the tee box. And we have a guest on this segment, Tanner Fleming, who's the GM. Yes, sir. Of Union Bear, which is an awesome place they got an outdoor patio that's heated you can they got tvs all over the place and they're giant ones great place you haven't been here and the food they just gave us a spread right now that next break we will be pounding it away so i'm not a big drinker just i'm not against it i'm just not a big drinker and um, tell you how not big of a drinker i am my wife has told me that when we're out with people and they're drinking, you'll have a lot more fun. If you drink, just have one, take the edge off, and you'll have more fun. I did it a couple of weeks ago, and it was fine, but here's what I did. I don't like nursing a drink. So I got a, a thing of Crown Royal, shot a Crown Royal, downed it, got a Diet Coke, drank the Diet Coke the rest of the night. She said, she said you need one more? Took another shot of Crown Royal, <laughs> drank my Diet Coke. And so, uh, so... When you look at all these cool beers and all the stuff that, that you guys serve, it's not my thing. You're a beer drinker, right, John? Absolutely, absolutely. So why don't you – and you're – are you a, a 
Have you ever made beer before this restaurant? No, no. This has been a huge education for myself. Having served and, and known about beer for a long time in my career, the actual production of it has never been something that I've done. So it's been nice to work with some brewers that have upped my knowledge and my game for sure. Okay, so there's a bunch of, what do you call those things, bins, canisters? Yeah, so we've got some fermenters and bright tanks. They're all tanks, um, but the five over here on the right are fermenters, and then the four over here on the left are bright tanks. So those are, those act like a big keg. Okay. Uh, and we can pull straight from that tank to the uh, to the tap. So they never have to transfer or anything like that. So it's the freshest beer you're going to get. It's right beside the tank. Which we have right here. We have four of them in yes. front of us, right? All right, so tell us what we're going to try here. So I started with the blonde. Um, it's the second yep. one in line. For your you know, Budweiser, Coors Light drinkers, um, the blonde's going to be a little more flavor, a little more robust, but it's kind of entry into the kind of craft beer, what we do. Drinking on the air. That's good. You like that? Yeah. yeah. You didn't tell me this when you asked if I could. Big E may have wanted to come instead. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, my God. What is this coming? Oh, the Brew Pub Nachos. All right. Wow. Yeah. There good is. stuff. Just put it up there. We'll eat it in a minute. I know there's only two of us here. Right. Well, we got Kern. Like I said, he was. Yeah, we'll uh, make sure you guys get a little bit of everything. All right. So that is the blonde, and that's like my Coors yeah. Light. And that's I, I could drink oh, this. Yeah. I'm in. Okay, what's and next? That's one of our beers that we have on happy hour, actually 11 a.m. to 6, Monday through Friday, and then 10 to 3, uh, Saturday, Sunday for brunch. Or guys' night out. Your guys' night out. Right. Yeah. So we've uh, we've got that one, the Amber, and the No Coast IPA. So right over here at the Oktoberfest, yep. I wanted to bring this out because this was uh, the last of our Oktoberfest that we, we brewed. Oktoberfest is actually in September. Don't ask me. It's the, the Germans. Um, but this is just a nice Marzen <laughs> lager. Okay. I don't hate it. You don't hate it? No, I can drink this. And this one, I just, you know, you get a lot more of that grain. It's fuller. Make me full. Honey. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, what's next? So over here, we've got two of our IPAs. Um, what's IPA mean? India Pale Ale. So basically, when the British occupied India and they were shipping beer, it would spoil on the way. So they found that hops were a natural preservative, which could make the beer last longer. And then they were like, yeah, we're like the taste too so um, right so this is an old beer that we're eating this one will be a little stouter <laughs> i assume too, yeah right? so it's gonna be stronger this is kind of the the crazy ipa craze is, uh hasn't gone anywhere so um the smash ipa on the end yeah smash is s-m-a-s-a it's got so. things floating in there is that supposed to be mine does not no mine does extra value we not. just put a little something in your uh, in your beer um no, Smash stands wow. for single malt and single hop. Wow. So it's one malt and then it's I'll single. I'll put it on your chest right there, won't it? Yes, it will. Holy Strong. Smokes. That's like that's like taking a shot of my uh, Crown Royal. Yeah. Well, it's 100% <laughs> Simcoe hops on that one. The West Coast IPA is a blend of Centennial, Cascade, Columbus, and Amarillo. So you got a little more of a blend. And this wow. one's going to be wow. even bigger. So for a guy that doesn't drink... By the way, we brought Craig some ciders on the side. So. Yeah. So um, what what is this one? The, your bartender is that, said. 
beer. This one looks like apple juice. Yeah, that's a Bishop cider. All right. It's made here in Dallas. All right, so that's like um, that's like drinking Manischewitz at a Jewish holiday there right go. there. How <laughs> am I in? And this one's really pretty. Yeah, that one's made by Schilling. And what is this one? This looks like a berry of some sort. Yeah. All right, I might be in on this. Yeah. And gluten-free. So you need to try that. Right. If, if you have a gluten intolerance. I mean, that's celiac. that's perfect for breakfast right there. It's like drinking gr cherry juice or something. You don't like it, do you? I like it a lot. Does it go with the funnel cake fries that are sitting over there? I don't know what it goes with, Everything but I could drink with the this. Cake that's true. There. Good point. Mm. We need to go. But that was a good segment. First ever on the radio? Yes, sir. How about that? How'd you do? I, I think I did. Somebody should fun. see you. They should see how much you look like John Malkovich. Just but. dashingly handsome is really <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was our right, thanks, great guys. segment on beer. And uh, now I'm drinking on the air, so it might be even a fun next 30, um, 30 minutes. Coming up next, we need to talk a little bit about President's Cup and what happened to Kevin Na last week. I'll tell you next. It is late. It is late. Um, <laughs> 9.38 on the ticket. Got the tee box, no Rick Arnett, which is why we're late, because he never lets us do this. And uh, did you you just ate that on the air, Holmes. <laughs> Turn your mic off. That was Kern eating a bagel. <laughs> Funny. I didn't think it was that crunchy. It was. It was. Came right through. Um, I'm still drinking beer. Am I allowed to say that? I don't know your Shall rules. I, Are you under 21? Action? No. Then I think I you can say it. certainly wouldn't have one during the Byron Nelson, I'll tell you that. Uh, let me see. I need, to, I need to find two things. One, let's talk President's Cup first. Have you looked at this at all? A little bit. Not a ton. Follow the American team a little bit more than the international team. So I'm curious. They have not picked the other four So on either team. Right. So let's talk about the Americans real quick. You have Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Cantley, Xander, Webb Simpson, Matt Kuchar, and Bryson DeChambeau are in. Yep. Who's not in? Tony Finau's number nine. Gary Woodland, major winner, number ten. Ricky Fowler's eleven. Patrick Reed is twelve. What do you think? Nine, ten, eleven are locks. Number thirteen is Tiger Woods. N number sixteen is Phil Mickelson. Not in the top 25, but certainly somebody to talk about is Jordan Spieth. The PGA Tour, you do not work for the PGA Tour, right? Correct. So you can say whatever you want right now. I can say whatever I want right now. So the PGA Tour owns the President's Cup. It is a money grab. I met with some people from the PGA of, um, of, of America, and they said the Ryder Cup is like the World Series or Super Bowl for them. It makes them so much money. It is so good. And I'm because the PGA Tour has no interest in that at all, that this is their money grab, right? You think it's bigger than the players for them? Uh, what this person told me is it's bigger than the players the year that it's happening. Right. But it only happens every four years because every two years it goes somewhere else, right. goes to Europe. And then it comes back. So it's every four years, it's like a Super Bowl. Right. They would never play the President's Cup in Europe. 
Just so you know. Well, yes, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I did. It's so, in Australia this year. So it's in Australia, and I, and I'm just curious. Is a PGA Tour dictating to Tiger who he needs to pick at all? Yeah, are they saying, Tiger, you need to play because our rank ratings will be off the charts? Their ratings would be off the charts if that happened, but I cannot imagine a scenario where anybody is dictating anything to Tiger Woods. Really? Including the PGA Tour, yeah. I mean, I think he's honored to be the, the captain. I think he's seriously considering playing. I think the tour would love it if he did play, but I can't imagine. And maybe they, maybe they suggest, maybe they don't. But I can't imagine him basing his decision on anything like that. Is there any chance he picks Phil Mickelson? There's a chance, of course. You don't think that's going to happen? I don't know. I mean, I personally would like to see it. He's got such a great run. He's a, such a great team teammate in the room. He's, he's played on so many in a row. I'd love to see him pick him. If I had to guess, he's probably going to pick some of those other players you mentioned. Okay, any chance he picks Jordan Spieth? About the same as Phil, I would say. So Jordan's playing next week at the CJ Cup, and yep. he's playing the next week at the... Zozo Championship in Japan. Yep. That's WGC, right? Yep. So that's CJ Cup is WGC. Zozo's in Japan. Okay, so you've got two major, major, major events... That Jordan's playing, if he finishes top three in both of them? Yep. I think you got to look seriously at him if he does. Okay, last one for you on the American side. Any chance he considers Patrick Reed? Patrick Reed. I knew you were going there. So he's 12th. Right. So if you go with the chalk, you're taking the next four, which would be Finau, Woodland, Fowler, Reed. It's four good players. I'd be surprised if he picked Reed. I would, you know, too. Reed's just not the same team guy. Yeah. 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 I, I just, I'm just thinking some of those guys, Justin right. Thomas may have a He's problem a, with them. He is a unbelievable match play player. Yes. He That's is the one side to take him. But, up. Yeah. But, but listen. All right. So we went through the American team. Listen to the international team. You have Mark Leishman, Hideki Matsuyama, Louis Oosthuizen, Adam Scott, Abe Anser, Lee, Hatong Lee, C.T. Pan, and Cameron Smith. That team does not scare me. Right. So when you're looking at taking four more guys, their chalk, their next four guys would be Jason Day, Jazz, Jenna Watanand, Sung J M, and Justin Harding. That doesn't scare me at all. No. Jason so, Day's a lock for sure. Well, being in yeah. uh, in Australia, yeah. Yeah. So in my mind, that's where I say, you know what? I'll take who I want. I don't have to take who I need to have to win, right? Right. Which means I'm taking myself. You think so? Yeah. Who's, who's the last captain that picked himself? Or has one ever picked himself? I know there's been playing know captains, but they may have qualified. They've been playing captains before. I well, you somebody can tweet us that at Avagolfer98. But I, I don't know. But if I'm Tiger now, if I'm healthy, right? That's it. That's definitely the wild card that we don't key, know. Right? If yep. I'm healthy, I'm playing. Be fun. Little grab ass golf doesn't mean nothing. Represent your country. Right. 
being in Australia, I'd much rather be have have a set of clubs with me than not. Right? Yeah. I think it means more to them than you think. I certainly know it does from my experience at the Ryder Cup. Um, but I think he, it means a lot to him to be a part of a winning team also. Yep. Okay, one wild card that I would pick. And I'm not sure. U.S. It, team? On the U.S. team. One wild card I would pick is Kevin Kisner. He's 15th. Yep. So you have to pull, you have to reach back a little bit. But he plays in the down in Austin the match play really well every year. Yes, yes. And he's a grinder. He's a good bulldog. Match play. Yep. You know, and I, that's a guy that I want to groom for a Ryder Cup. Yep. I I just I think good he's, team guy. He's he's Gets not along with a lot of people. He's not a pup. Right. He's got some age on him. He's in his 30s. I he's one of those guys. I see. Yeah, I, I I take him. I can see that. I don't know that golf course well. <laughs> if there's who yeah, does right. If there's. Um, if that would play into who he picks at all. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I mean, I look at, um, I look at Finau. Yeah, I, I think I got to take Finau at number nine. I think so, too. And he's playing good. Gary Woodland, I, you know, the thing about Woodland, I, I, I just don't know what kind of match play player he is. And he's 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 a good player. He's a great player. He's steady. He doesn't move the needle. Yeah, he's not going to make a bunch of mistakes though. Yeah. Good alter. I would think a good foursomes guy. Ricky Fowler is a almost he's a he's a lock, isn't he? He has to be a lock. Yeah, you take him. And then twelve is Patrick Reed, and I just yeah, yeah I just don't know what the rest of the team thinks about that guy. Yeah, I don't see him. And I so I just so then you go to Tiger Woods, Chaz Revy. Kevin Kisner, Phil Mickelson, of all those guys, I'm t- I got a hunch on Kisner. Do you really? Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, he'd be a great pick. I'm really I don't think you're going to go wrong with any of them, including Patrick Reed. I think he would. He's he's shown he can win there. I don't think it's going to go that way, but for the international team, the only thing that scares me is Mark Leishman, Adam Scott, Cameron Smith, and Jason Day are all from Australia. So. Good day, mate. They're down in their own right. hometown, and, and Leishman's you know, been playing great. He has. He's number one on the list. He's he's ranked yeah. number one, so he's been playing well. Um, I don't know who they pick as their four. Um, well, other than Jason, you know he's right. But I I don't know where you go on that. I'm looking at the top 25 from nine after Jason Day, who's nine from 10 to 25. There's not another Aussie on that list. Yeah. So, um, so you don't think Els is going to pick himself? You haven't mentioned that. There's <laughs> no way he picks himself. Do you? No chance. No chance. No, no chance. chance. All right, real quick. So last week, Kevin Na wins on the PGA Tour. And did you read this? I sent it to you yesterday. I did, yep. And so after he wins last week, he does about a minute and a half interview in Korea. In Korea, yep. And... Everybody's thinking, what in the world's going on? He's like, um, it's a, it was like, hey, I know all the rumors are going around. I just want you to know they're all false, and I'm, but yada yada yada. Thanked his fans. Apparently, he had. Did you know any of that was going on? Yes. Like I had not heard the rumors. I had, I had heard something was going on, but um, I heard about a month ago he had won earlier in the year. Colonial. He won Colonial, yes. And I had heard that he was being sued because he had put his last fiance, 
into a dungeon as a sex slave. Oh, my. And there was an article about that. And it turns out, not very true. It turns out that he did have an arranged marriage. In Korea, there's a very big arranged marriage stuff. And he was in an arranged marriage. And right before they got married, he called it off. Which apparently in Korea, that is... A big deal. Bad. You're not safe. I, I'll tell you what it was called. Um, you can't you can't save it. Don't try to say it. Yeah, it, it's like saving face. Um, you can't do it. Um, and, uh, and, and so that family who was of wealth um, took it to heart and went nuts and started to do these reports and do... It's called, the Korean term for saving face is chai myum. Okay. And it's almost, when if it basically says the complaint included, the reason why my daughter publicly sued him was to prevent future f- victims, but it's deeply ingrained in the culture that if you lose face, especially in an arranged marriage, that's the worst thing that can happen to a family. So this family of means got an attorney, and they went after Na. Na got married the next year right. to a lifelong friend, had kids, whatever. Seems like he's a normal guy, whatever. But they started to, um, I mean, she, the the mom of the, of the former fiancé was picketing um, uh, outside the Korean Open and started the rumors of the sex plays thing and everything else. And uh, so he felt like he had to address it. I can't imagine how that's hanging on you. They've been sued, back sued. Ah. Apparently, they sued Kevin Knox. Kevin sued Kevin Knox, countersued. Countersued. And won. Said so the the judge gave him gave him fifty grand. They awarded him fifty grand. Said yes, they've been uh, uh, defacing you or defaming you. Yes, you win. And so, it's all been a a, a mess. Well, he's going to Korea next week for the CJ Cup. Right. And he kind of wanted to set the record straight, say this is not bad. And it was all quiet, except Korea has a a show of famous athletes. They go into the homes of the famous athletes, and they decided to do an episode on Kevin Na. And as soon as the episode was about to air, this family resurfaced again. Uh. And all these rumors and all this other stuff, and that's when it came to a head again this year. It was right after Colonial, so... So that's um, when he chose to make this comment was right after his victory? Yep. Right. At, and in the winner's interview, he said, hey, thanks, whatever. He, he, he did about two minutes in English, then he did a minute and a half in Korean and went through that. So I, I, I'm i rooting for the guy now. Right. Somebody he, went after him that was not unfounded and don't like it. Yeah. So He's a good guy, too. Really Is he? Good guy. Really good guy. Really hilarious guy. But he's Funny. slow. He plays slow. Yeah, yeah. Is that an issue? He's not alone. Is that, that an issue at the Nelson? I mean, do you know who the slow players are? And uh, like everybody else, I know who they are. But it's, you it's can't the do same. it. You're outside the ropes. I, I'm outside the ropes. I don't mess gotcha. with it there. All right, we're late. We're late. Everybody's telling me to break. I'm not Rick. Rick would have broken. This. Let me tell you who the sponsor is before we go, because I don't want to get anybody mad. This. This one is sponsored by Crest Cars. There you go. Of course. We'll be there in a couple weeks, and they feed us just like they do at Union Bear. Coming up next, it's the Eli and Ty show, and we'll talk college football. Doolittle got the final four outs. The Nationals look to take game two this afternoon. First pitch at 3.08. 
Pure Swing Golf brought to you this ticket ticker. Experience first-class instruction by tour professional Anthony Broussard in a state-of-the-art indoor training facility with the latest technology located on the tollway right across from the Galleria. Check them out at pureswinggolf.com. I'm Samuel Hale on Sports Radio 1310 and 96.7 FM, The Ticket. Don't confuse Muse in the News with the nightly news. It's not fake, and it's a lot funnier. Check it out this Monday morning with Gordo at 7.15 during the Musers on Sports Radio 1310 and 96.7 FM, The Ticket. It is straight up 10 o'clock. We were late. Sorry, Kat. It's not my real job, though. I had no Rick Arnett this week. Very true. So we'll look forward to him coming back next week as he's down in Austin visiting his kid and his grand dog. Will you get a critique debrief when he gets back? Absolutely not. No. 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 Hopefully he didn't listen for one second and he enjoyed his time off. But I do want to thank Kern for keeping us on air most of the time. Sorry about me. And Jay for all the great board stuff he does and for Sam Hale for doing great tickers. Just like him being in our spot. And most importantly, or second most importantly, John Drago for filling in for Rick. You were a great host. I appreciate that. Hopefully you can come do it again soon. Love to. Glad. And most importantly, thank you for Union Bear for having us out here and um, feeding us and giving us alcohol on the air, which had to take the edge off for me. The last hour had to be better than the first hour. Perfect prep for 11 o'clock. Yes, or 11 o'clock, which is game time for you, right? That's right. So we bring on the greatness of Country Force in Ty and Eli. Why didn't you thank us? We kept you on the air for like 10 minutes. Yes, I should thank you guys. Thank you. You're welcome. Not having to go to Car Talk, which was on before us, (laughs) and doing real radio, which I appreciate. Real? So... I'm sitting here with John Drago, who's got all his Texas gear on. Oof. That's right. Hook him. Puke. <laughs> Eli's and not happy about that. So let me ask you this, John, as a UT fan. Uh-oh. How Uh-oh. do you How do you feel about the here whole penalized for the horns down thing? Uh, you know, if you got if the only way that another school can respect itself is to try to degrade the other one. Doesn't bother me at all. Okay, so I'm of the belief that when Oklahoma fans do the horns down when they're playing Kansas State, I think that's (gasps) stupid. I completely agree. It's it's completely stupid. They're not playing Texas, doing the horns down thing, dumb. But when they're playing Texas, I have no problem with it. And the fact that we have now cancel cultured the horns down during the OU Texas game it bothers me. Why, why must we as a society just ruin wanna, everyone's fun you don't hurt when their it feelings, comes to anything? Man. You don't want to hurt their feelings. Come on. We need to find a safe space. Yes. For our Texas. No, and, and b- believe I it or not, like I tweeted something about this the other day, and I had Boy, did multiple Texas fans <laughs> respond and say, you know what, I think it's stupid too that they're potentially going to penalize OU for doing the horns down thing. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. And if there's a game to do it in, it's this one. I completely agree with you. I think that this game is about the rivalry. It's about the passion. It, it has never bothers me at all. Okay, I was just curious from a from a Texas fan. The only thing uh, yeah. the only thing you could see is like if they're if they're doing it 
to taunt a player after a big play. Like it just uh, uh, like you normally doing get, it after every play. Yeah, stupid. But, but right. you score a touchdown. But if you're going to look at the fans and do a horns down, that shouldn't be a that shouldn't be. A yeah, I mean you haul off a 55 yard touchdown catch. I'm okay with I mean, it. If you run over and try to do it in Tom Herman's face, then that's different. Just you know? as and we saw I saw video from maybe a half hour ago where there were some players that were exchanging words at midfield as they were you know getting ready for their pregame warmups. I'm okay with that too, as long as it doesn't get physical. But if they're jawing back and forth, I think that's part of the rivalry. That's what makes it fun. That's what I makes it that. awesome. That's the passion that is in college football. Absolutely. Yes, and whether it be Auburn, Alabama, or Florida, Georgia, or you you name the rivalry, USC, Notre Dame, whatever the rivalry is, them being able to jaw back and forth is is part of the fun. And I have one problem with local college football. As I, I have no, I have no, I don't have a side, but it drives me nuts that there is no Texas A&M football game. Anymore. Boy, you are not kidding. That is 100% I mean, accurate. I yes. couldn't agree more. I just don't get that. I, I love that bunch game. bunch of flipping idiots are there that won't do that. I mean, think about the money grab and, the, and a guy who has no interest in either team, but I dial in. Yeah, you and bet. And how is it that they're that short-sighted or whatever – egos are in the way or something that that game doesn't exist that was something i looked forward to basically every thanksgiving mm-hmm. was getting geared yep. up for the the texas a&m game and Jumped up. Yep. i yes i loved loved that game it was so much fun it, and it's a natural geographic rivalry too and the fact they don't play anymore <laughs> is stupid it's all egos yeah it's just it's just awful right it's, tr- it's real tragic and there's not a fan if you ask the fans, they would all want the game back. No, I don't think I don't, I don't think A&M fans want it back. I, I listen to them say we don't need to play them. Every single one of them. I don't know why. Well, let's I don't understand it. why that game. I mean, it makes look Georgia plays Georgia Tech every year. Georgia Tech's just not that good anymore, and I'm a Georgia fan. But I still I, I dial into that game because right. it's just a rivalry game. And yes, it's, it, it'd be this. It, it's the same thing, isn't it? That's right. It's just like Texas OU was before we were a conference game. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or Oklahoma, Nebraska. The fact they don't play anymore, right. that's stupid. I mean, that was such a good rivalry for the better part of half of a, a century, and they oh, don't play Lord. anymore. They have a cook, uh-huh. a, a grilled gator, <laughs> I guess, in the LSU Florida game. That's a good That'll be a good game. Yeah, that'll that game's going to be a lot of great games. Oh, yeah, and they're showing the moments ago of Oklahoma, Texas. They, they're kind of going after each other a little bit. Kind of looks a little bit uh, staged, though, doesn't it? Ooh, I don't yeah, know, I, man. I think they just legitimately don't care for one another. Each other. They never see each other. It's not like they play once a year. And I mean, how many? Well, they guys played are twice still last the same? year. Craig. Play twice last year. Oh, that's true. You gotta throw the record books out when these two teams meet. Okay, generic God, sports. Boy, style. what a jeez! <laughs> Seriously, well, is that what we got to look for the next two hours? Welcome yes. to Cliche Sports Guy joining us now. Hey, <laughs> play one game at a time. Oh my God! Good Lord, good Lord willing. Yes, good Lord willing. So, John, quickly before we have to to cut loose here, I did want to talk to you quickly about Trinity Forest and. What do you, what are your personal thoughts on the golf course? Because I absolutely love the golf course. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I do too. I think it is a, a great golf course. I think it's unique to anything else that they play on the PGA Tour. Um, you know, we've got two years there now. Clearly, we, like any business, we've got work to do to improve the experience every year, and we're working hard on that. But I think inside the ropes, it is a, it's a fantastic golf course. 
it sets up well. It's just it's it's uh, you know the players that are playing well there are playing extremely well, and I I just think it's a fun place to play. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I've been out there a couple times, and yeah, it's a it's a really really neat experience, and I th- I think it's a great home course for the Byron Nelson. The weather hasn't done you guys any favors over the last couple of years, but. I think uh, I think you got one coming this year. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a great tournament. And it's a, we've had the hottest day of any Nelson and the coldest the last two years. Yes. so we're due for that one right in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe <sighs> maybe a nice like seventy-seven degrees and maybe a little little light breeze out of the south. I like the way you're talking. Yeah. All right. Very cool. So what's on the show, Ty? It? We got stuff I, and things. We're gonna I need. Oh, 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 I need oh. to let you guys go. I want to finish my beer. Yeah. Enjoy your beer. Craig. <laughs> Broadcasting live from the TXU Energy Mothership at Victory Plaza. I hear you drive for show AAC. and putt for dough. This is Sports Radio 1310 at 96.7 FM, The Ticket. KTCK AM, Dallas, Fort Worth. KTCK FM, Flower Mound. Accumulus Station.